with my papa. Welcome everyone. Jeff Adair here and thank you for, for that introduction, Jordan. I really appreciate that. And, uh, here we are, episode five of Here's the Deal with Danny Sitters. Danny, how's it going today? It's wet outside. Yes. It's still a little bit cool, but we're, we're, we're warm and dry in here and so life is good and I'm excited to be here for another podcast. So welcome everyone and thank you so much for taking the time to, to listen to what we think and ideas and so it's it's been a it's been a good experience. It's been a new experience, but this whole COVID uh, year has been a new right. experience in so many ways. So I'm ready. Let's get going. All right. Let's uh, before we get started though, I want to say uh, congratulations on the year of being on YouTube. By the way, wow. it's a fantastic uh, accomplishment. I don't know if uh, that's something next time you get together with all your minister friends, say, hey guys, <laughs> I don't know how long you've been on YouTube, but I've got these we, many subscribers. That's right. We got a year <laughs> behind our belt. That's right. Pretty crazy to think about that, isn't it? Is. It? it is. It is really unbelievable is. that we, uh, the, the team here, got all that together and was able to do that within probably about four or five days. And, that's, right. and, and that is where the kudos need to go is yeah. to the technology team. You know, I just had to learn to look in a little hole, a little <laughs> camera, and continue to preach. But the work that's been done by so many, including yourself, has been absolutely amazing. And you know we would have been lost without you so thank yeah. you to all the technology team definitely for sure so well, let's get into it so you started your sermon with a story from uh, Victor Frankel and uh, it was a story of of him calling back to his past uh, in the present time and remembering what he thought about the future and how that helped him get through the awful experience he was going through at the time and when you were preaching from that story I thought about Exodus 14 um, you know how the Israelites were getting ready to cross the Red Sea and uh, they were hearing that story and, uh, you know, God's going to be with you. Don't worry. And then they're come to, to the Red Sea and they see this yeah. impossible thing that they can't get across. Right. So, again, wanted to uh, think about the idea of how important our future is. Maybe more important than that, how we think about the future. And this is, again, each week I'm kind of adding layers um, to the idea. So how we view the end, the end of it all, uh, which, you know, includes the future, determines how we live today, yeah. how we view um, our lives, how we view God, True. how we view other people, how I position myself in life, what's important? What are my values? What are my priorities? How do I situate myself in in the world around me? So the the future is so important because what I do today impacts the future that I will have later on. Well, right. And at the same time, my view of the future impacts the way I live today. And so Franco was, um, you know, got caught up in the Nazi concentration camps, lost all of his family members. He almost died several times. And what kept him going was a manuscript that he kept in his pocket for a long time about this topic. Oh, wow. And so for him, what, what kept him going was this idea of when I get out in the future— I'm going to write this book, and it's going to help um, 
people. It's going to change lives. It's going to help them overcome. And so the story was one particular night or day, and it's freezing cold. He doesn't have adequate clothing on. He's, he's skin and bones because of a lack of nutrition, and they're marching, and he comes to the end of his rope and collapses. And the guard comes up and starts screaming and yelling and, and, and beating him. And at that moment, he said, I disassociated from the situation, wow. from my present moment. And he projected himself into the future and, and he envisioned himself standing in front of an audience, say in Vienna, after the war and making this lecture about uh, the pull of the future. Wow. And that just, that the power of the future got him out of that situation and uh, allowed him to keep moving. And so then it, when the night he told that story, um, there was someone in the audience who, who listened to that, a counselor, who came up with the concept of the pull of the future, the pull of the future. And that is what drives us forward is how we envision the future. So if the end, the ultimate end, is we're checking out of this place, we're hopping on a the 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 heaven transit, you there know, you go, yeah. and, and flying out of here. What what does that mean for my life today? What am I supposed to value? Yeah. What am I supposed what do I put stock in? Should I care about whether or not I take care of myself, yeah. my health, relationships? So you know, those are all important questions. If if, you know, Jesus is coming back here and somehow, you know, we're going to live here for eternity, a new heaven and a new earth. Well, that changes my perspective yes. on life. And so I, I just had a, several quotes about uh, Frankel's quotes about the future and how it really um, has a major impact on us in how we live life today. And, and I'm going to argue that how we view the end um, changes how we live our lives today. But regardless, let's just say on a practical level, what I do today impacts my future. So I'm literally adding layers to my future today by what I decide to do, what I decide not to do, um, where I choose to position myself in life will absolutely impact the future. So yes. that's kind of... That kind of a, a long way of say of setting the stage for what we talked about Sunday. So then, a, a quick quick thing I want to tell you that you know you mentioned last week um, about having soda and Twinkies all the time. You know my future. So <laughs> uh, before we started recording, I had a, a, a nice grilled chicken salad with no salad Good. dressing. So Good. I'm gonna so, hopefully know my future a little bit better than <laughs> soda and right. Twinkies. <laughs> you just added one day to your life there today it is. in the future. Um, you know, the, the people crossing the Red Sea must, they had to have thought about the future, yeah, especially the ones carrying their babies across dry ground, for sure, uh, scary as it was. Um, they, they saw what God had in store for them. Uh, you know, we can get stuck just trying to make sure that we have it right and uh, keep our boarding pass. Uh, we can lose God's vision for the world and what he has for us. And you mentioned that we should listen to our prayers, and you talked about our faith statements and what the church is supposed to be in regards to the future. Do we as humans always try to get the best or right program in place for when we do get those visitors, we, we look like we have it all together? 
Right. So let me ask you to do this for me, Jeff. Okay. So there's about five questions there. Yes. And yes. I had about 55 thoughts. So okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and then whatever I don't cover, call me back to it. I got you. So the Israelites were in were enslaved by the Egyptians and they prayed to God to deliver them. And of course, most of us know the story that God used Moses uh, to deliver his people um, out of Egypt. And here they go. <clears throat> they're, they're marching out of, of Egypt and they're headed to the land of milk and honey. Mm, you know, they got to be rejoicing. and uh, But not long into this adventure, they begin to grumble and complain. What have you done to us? Why did you lead us out here to die? We don't have food. We don't have water. And so... Um, God is just um, moving them in the direction toward um, Canaan's land, toward the land of, of milk and honey. But the entire time, God is saying, okay, now, you know, for instance, I will, I will fight for you. Do not be afraid. I will fight for you. I will be the right hand, right, the hand, hand of strength. And and so it kind of goes down like this. I, don't be afraid. I will fight for you. Now go fight. Now go do it. <laughs> yeah. Now go, go fight. Well, wait a minute, God. I thought, I thought you had this and you were going to take care of it. And God says, yes, I, I, I'm absolutely going to take care of it. I, I, know, I know the end. I know where it's going to, where it's going to turn out. Uh-huh. But you've got work to do. Yeah. You've got to, you and I have to process through and work through the future that God has in store for us. Okay. But you see, I have a tendency to, to want to take the, the, the easy way, yeah. the secure way, the comfortable way, right? God, you just, I, I believe in you. I'm trusting you, God. Make it happen. And I'm going to sit here with my Twinkie and Ding Dong, and I'm going to wait until... Wait for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll wait for it to happen. Let me know when the coast is clear. There you go. Right, then I'll come out. Yeah. And, but that theologically does not seem to be the way God operates right. within Scripture. So all the... I, I don't think it's a, it's a contradiction to say that God is the one that provides the way and God leads and God is the one who fights for us. And yet at the same time, we have to, we have to fight through. It's like God says, okay, here's the promised land. Now, guess what? You're getting ready to enter the jungle or the, you know, the forest and you've got to clear the way. Yeah. Now, if you just keep, you know, chopping wood and weed eating and, 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 and avoiding the thorns and the bristles and the briars, you, you'll get there. So, I, to me, again, that's part of our, of our future, of our end, that the end is going to be glorious, but we have a responsibility. We have a part to play. We want as many people to enjoy the end um, as we are going to enjoy it. Correct. See, so God's not coming along and... and, and and, and going to share the gospel. God's not going to be the one um, that's going to love others and connect with others and, and, and be involved in this world. We are Christ's ambassadors now here on earth. That's right. So 
that's my thought on Exodus 14. Now, now, remind me again, what are some of the other? So now, do we as humans always try to get the best or right program in place? So we, when we do get the visitors, we have like we, uh, we, we look like we have it all together. Okay. So, again, you know, and I hate to harp on this, but sometimes I forget and I have to remind myself. But anyway, if I'm just if I'm just checking off this planet and, uh, you know, again, the idea of escapism and everything's going to be burned up, uh, you know, when I talked about this Sunday, what am I left with? Yeah. What am I left with? Well, I would, number one, I'm going to make sure I got the right salvation knowledge. That's right. I mean, that's, that's, that's the pinnacle. By the way, that's, that's, that's important. Yes. We we don't want to we don't want to be um, relaxed in that area. No. But that becomes most important. And so think about when today contemporary Christianity today um, thinks about my Christian responsibility. What is it? Go share the gospel. That's right. Go take the the good news to other people. Very important. Go into all the world and make disciples and teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded you and baptize them. Right? That, 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 that is important. But if we are just here, you know, if we're just going to fly away someday, it's really all that we're left with is to share with people, hey, you better get your life right. You're, 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 you're sinful. You're a sinner. You, you need Jesus. Uh, so that you make sure you have your boarding pass. That's right. All right. That that becomes that becomes the most important thing, and it is important. But then there's also, in addition to that, well, I need to behave right. I want to make sure that I do good things, and I want to make sure that I avoid doing bad things. And ultimately, and let's be honest. We, we, we claim we don't believe this, but, but often my life says I do, my life's behavior. I hope my good behavior in the end outweighs my bad behavior. Right, Somehow yeah. just to sneak in, you know, sneak in, get a, get a seat on the plane yeah. and, and hope that my good outweighs my bad. So it's about having the right knowledge of salvation and making sure that my moral behavior is intact, and, and I then added a third, don't embarrass your family. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to embarrass myself and embarrass my family. So if I have the right uh, knowledge of salvation, that uh, I, I, I work on my morals, doing good, not doing bad, and I don't embarrass my family, that kind of becomes the sum total of Christianity. I see, yeah. Uh... Now... So if that's the case, based again upon our theology and our doctrinal position of the end, well, that's the kind of people that we are going to become. Yeah. That's the kind of people that we're going to produce. And so you take a concept like that and try to um, construct a church community around that. Well, what are we going to teach them? We're going to hammer on the on on you know quote personal salvation every week. There you go. We want to make a call 
to the to the to the group at large. Hey, if today you haven't, you know, if you haven't made that connection to Jesus, today's the day, which, which is good and right. Yeah. Um, we want to preach and teach on here's how you live morally. Okay. And you know, again, with that comes the idea of uh, of making sure that we have a family reputation. Right. So then what what comes of that is we structure our programs and our ministries to fit around what I would argue is an end time view. There you go. Yeah. So we got to have programs for as I said Sunday for nursery and children and middle school and and high school and singles and adults and young adults and senior adults and ladies and men's and divorce and single and right all designed to attract people mostly like us right. who have same views mostly the same socioeconomic um, categories because that's what we have trained our people to view as valuable in a church. Oh, wow, yeah. So they're looking for the church that offers the most programs that have the uh, correct views, morally straight, and, you know, good good families. Right, so, yeah, you mentioned that. So listen to our prayers. You wanna, If you want to know what we really believe, listen to our prayers. And I would just encourage all of you that when you hear someone pray— Focus on what they're saying and ask the question, how do, how do our prayers reveal what we believe about God, no. what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about the end? Right. So every church website has all these statements of faith. Think about it. Statements oh, yeah. of faith. This is what we believe. Right. So if I'm looking for a church, I want to get on and, and look at their statements of faith. What do they believe about salvation? Yeah. What do they believe about church organization, right? All, all these things things are listed. And, and all I'm saying is, you know, we, we have to be people that ask questions about everything, especially yeah. in this world that we live in, and ask questions. What are, what are we trying to accomplish? What do we believe about the end? What is the future... Um, um, what is the future pulling us toward? If it is pulling us, yeah, we may just said, you know what? That's all God's. I'm checking out. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna live life today, and whatever comes, you know, comes. But pay attention, ask questions, think about what does it say about. So one of the best exercises that um, uh, one of my professors made us do on every paper we wrote. So we would be in class, and we would read books, and we would take tests and do all that, but we'd have to write papers. Every time the assignment was, at the end of this paper, I want the last page to be, if people practiced this particular idea that you're writing about, or, or, or theology, what kind of people would it create? Oh, wow, nice. What kind of person would that make? What kind of community would you have? And I think that is just so important. We, and, and, and so, okay, I'm going to go off on a side Let's rant do it. here. Let's do it. <laughs> we, in this last year, right, so we're a year into online. This has been an unbelievable, remarkable time in history with the, the challenges and the questions and the fear, but also the opportunity. Yeah. 
everything is wide open now. True. Everything. Everything is on the table for us to look at. Personally, relationally, marriage, business, church, politics. Yeah. It's all on the table. And that drives us crazy at times. Yes. Right? <laughs> so how many times we're just ready to check out yeah. you know, and, do, and do nothing and, and, and not think. But this is an opportunity for, for everything to be examined and looked at and, and tinkered with for, for the opportunity for improvement. And I think that is critical on our own life, our own walk with God and Jesus and from a, a church. Yeah. So we're asking the question, what, what is the future of the church look like? Where are we going? Yeah. You know, so you could argue, and, and some of the church growth experts are telling us, look, 20 to 40% of your people are never coming back yeah. to your church. Um, online services probably are here to stay yep. from, from this point forward. The latest that I read, and I, mean, I, I, don't necessarily, I don't know if this is true or not. You can, um, how, how do they word it? The, the education wings of your church buildings are probably going to sit vacant for a long, long time now. Oh, ouch. Right, because we're going to smaller settings, smaller groups. Yeah. Our, our, many of our buildings are just sitting vacant. There's, there's nobody here, and yet we built these buildings for possibly another era, an era that's gone by. Yeah, that's true. So what do you do with that? What is the future of church? What, what is the future? What is the future? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're asking this, you know, uh, in, in several areas. So anyway, Jeff, take it from there and get us back on. <laughs> so you asked some really great questions about the church on Sunday, isn't it? And, uh, you know, asked if it's supposed to be a once a week gathering place uh, yeah. so we can be reminded of the correct doctrine, uh, the correct way to worship, you know, which made me think of those um, who have a relationship. You may have heard of these, um, you know, the generational type things, but these are called the nons or nuns. Yes, please explain that for so everybody. These are the ones that when they are when asked by a research group, say, Hey, what is your faith what is your faith statement? I guess they would ask you that, or what is what is your belief system? And they would say that they have a relationship with God, they believe in God, but they don't belong to a church or a community of believers. So they're called nons or my favorite is called nuns, N O N E and what I've also read and heard from other uh, people that are smarter than me that do this stuff, that that comes from the teaching of having a personal relationship with Jesus, and that is okay. So I th I don't know if that's true or not, but I, th I believe that it does come from that because there was teachings that if you just have personal relationship with Jesus, you're good. Right. So personal relationship with Jesus means I've got my ticket punched to go to heaven. Correct. That's right. Why do I need anything else? Yep, that's right. I'm, again, I'm checking off this planet. I've got my ticket. I, I don't need all the other stuff. Yeah. So isn't that interesting? And by the way, what I said about it was, is the church supposed to be the fountainhead of providing all of these nons or nuns because they're coming from within the Christian ranks? Right. That they just have no affiliation, no commitment to a local church or the church worldwide, no. not, not interested any longer in being connected to other believers, serving, uh, giving of themselves to a particular ministry for the sake of another. Yeah. I just have acknowledged Jesus Christ as my Savior. So what else do I need? I got my ticket. 
Yeah, I got my ticket. Yeah. I got my boarding pass. That, 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 that's all I need. Well, see, again, our, no, I don't say our, generically, doctrine shapes behavior. Yeah. What we teach, what we say, how we live shapes um, not only our um, generation, but the generations that come. That's true. But by the way, let's give them a little credit. They're asking a lot of questions of us. Yes. They're not satisfied with how we have structured ourselves. Right. Uh, I, th I think that the, uh, the, the, uh, the highest percentage of, uh, of a survey that you sent me was they're not satisfied with what we teach. Correct. Yep. Which, which then the correlation with that is not only what we teach, but then what we become and how we live. Right. That's right. So it does, again, it does, our doctrine does shape the people that we produce. So, and again, we live in a country that, that is known for its, uh, you know, it's called the American rugged individualism. Oh, yeah. I do it myself. Yeah. And, and, you know, as you and I were talking earlier, the book that came out 20, 25 years ago called Bowling Alone. Yeah. That was one of the first that kind of introduced this concept to, to, to the American public that, we don't, as a society, tend to look at being in community, being in tribe, uh, being connected, yeah. family-oriented. We just do it ourselves. I just I'm, I, I create my own path. I don't stand on the shoulders of, of people that have come before me. I'm, I'm blazing my own path. And that has consequences that, that also you know, impact not only the, 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 the country that we live in, but it impacts the church directly. Yeah. So all of this is kind of tied together. I don't, I'm, I don't know if, if any of this is making sense. I don't, you know, it, is, it, it is for me sitting over here. It is. It's, it's interesting, <laughs> but oh my word, we've got a lot of things to think about and, and, and to talk about. So anyway, yeah, that's that, that concept of the the uh, nuns or the nons is yeah. is scary. It is very scary. It's scary. Yeah. When I first got into youth ministry, they were um, starting to talk about it at youth ministry conferences I would go to. And that's the first thing, that's my first reaction. I looked over at Sarah and go, that is scary. It's scary. Yeah. Um, which leads me to the next part I want to talk about is the parable of the sower that you mentioned on Sunday. Where is the good soil? And I wanted to ask you a question. Is it possible that we can be walking over or through good soil every day and just not know it? Oh, absolutely. Not, maybe not know it. Maybe it's not see it. Let's see. There you go. Okay. I don't see it. Why? Because I have a particular worldview. Yeah. I have a particular theological view. I have a particular view of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a part of a church. I, I have, a, I also have a view of, of people Right, my moral compass, yeah. which which is a moral compass is a good thing, but if it if it sets within me the idea of us versus them, yeah, well then it gets skewed, and so yes, I, I miss opportunities for for good soil. So Jesus tells this parable, and of the four types of soil, only one is good soil. Yeah, the seed only. Uh, is fruitful in one of the four. So this one's a hard one for us to come to grips with. Yes. 
If you do the percentages, <laughs> That's what yeah, Let's break it down percentage wise. Yeah, break it down. Yeah. Only twenty five percent. Yeah. Now, now soil again now is going to represent a person's heart. I think you could argue that it's it's not just it's not well it just, so it's it's the, it's the hearts of people. It's only twenty five percent that are going to respond. Yeah. That's scary. Yes. Where do you find that? By the way, why is it our responsibility to be sowing seed? I mean, again, theologically. Yeah, there you I go. thought, you know, just let God do it. Right. No, 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 no. We're sowing seed because of the of the future that is before us and the vision that we have of the future of the the life, the eternal life that we're going to live. So that's one question. Where is the good soil? But as I said Sunday, the other question is, who is it that really gets this? Yeah. Who gets this? Because 75% aren't going to get it. Yeah, that's... We, we, we just won't take time. Yeah. We won't think through it. We won't evaluate. There's too many other things going on. There's too much stress in this world. I live with too much anxiety, uh, possibly a, a fear of God, a fear of losing our salvation, yeah. a fear of doing something wrong morally that might disqualify me from my salvation and might embarrass my family. So we stay within the box. Stay within the box. Right. I'd rather take my chance, you know, with um, playing it safe than than going to. You know, as we talked about later in the sermon, crossing the lake and going into foreign territory. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think that we miss it because we don't see it. We don't look for it. We're, we, we have, again, the preconceived ideas and, and, and a mentality that oftentimes keeps us from seeing. Yeah. You know, also, uh, you spoke about Moses and them wandering in the wilderness. Following God was a literal experience. I want to know if you could just expand on that a little bit more before we uh, move on to uh, what we touched on with the Israelites coming back from exile. So following God was a literal experience. When when people hear that, what do you? How do you explain that? So it's pretty simple. When they were leaving Egypt, follow the cloud, oh, there you follow go. the pillar of fire. Don't veer left. Don't veer right. Where's God? Oh, look up. There he is. Okay, let's go. So we we march in lockstep, following God. But now Moses comes along in Deuteronomy toward the end of his life, and they're on the you know the doorstep of the of the promised land, and, and says it is important for you to follow God. Well, there's a there's a challenge and there's a question that goes with it at that time. What now does it mean? I look in the sky. There's no pillar of fire. There's no cloud. It's not as easy as you it know, used to be. It's not as easy. What, what, where do I go? What do I do? How do I do this? And so I think Moses was instructing the people, now instead of just walking lockstep without thinking, now it becomes learning how to develop the character of God. So we were created in God's image, and so it is incumbent upon us to now develop the character of God. Uh -huh. How do you do that? Yeah. What does that look like? What am I supposed to do? And so would quickly transitioned into the fact that Jesus said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And yes. so we take Jesus as the standard of our understanding the character of God. Yeah. Watch Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Pay attention. Uh, imitate that behavior. Imitate that love and mercy. So in doing so, then we learn to um, take on the character of God. So when you ask the question... 
what I hear is in the question, is it possible that we still today try to just march lockstep, you know, looking at our church cloud or church right. pillar of fire or whatever, however you want to describe it, without having to think for ourselves, without without thinking about the end and the future and my and my own spiritual development and my own outreach to other people, yeah. loving and caring and blessing them. Yeah, I think that's a real possibility, and I think it's a real challenge for us today. I think so, yeah, so many things are fighting for our attention, oh, and we yeah. need to we need to fight for we need to fight for God. What we need to do. So, yeah, yeah I agree. And I know there's something you uh, we kind of touched on earlier, and I was wanting to get back to it, and spend a little more time on before we get going. Uh, you gave us a quick lesson on when the Israelites came back from exile and how they created so many laws and, and rules that they basically shut themselves out from the world. How can we as Christians who maybe feel kind of like they do now, uh, who are coming back to God's presence or church uh, after being gone for so long, can we be safe enough not to fall into that same way of life or that same mentality of, well, we have to create these laws and rules that we can't, uh, that we'll basically just be worshiping by ourselves. Yeah. Great question. <laughs> Although I'm, I'm now thinking that I may be looking for a new host uh, next week with these with these questions. Uh, no, it's a it's a it's a great question. And so yes, after exile, um, you know the, the the Jewish community got it. We 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 disobey God. We didn't listen to what He said. We worshipped idols. We get hauled off into exile where we were slaves for a long long time. Yeah. Got released, come back, and said. Okay, we're not going back to exile anymore. Yeah. Uh, got it, got it. God, you got our attention. We're going to be righteous people. We're going to be God's people. We're going to be honorable. And lo and behold, what was the first thing they thought about doing and, and what did they do? They took the laws, the commands, right? Those things that they believed put them and kept them in a salvation relationship with God, go, okay, yeah. a.k.a. they went to work on their plane ticket, their boarding pass. Right, okay. So they expanded on all of the laws, and they created oral tradition. Uh, if, if, if the law said, keep the Sabbath holy and do not work on the Sabbath, well, that wasn't sufficient for them. What do you mean by work? Okay. How do you keep it holy? What defines work? Uh, can I do this? Can I not do that? And so they began to take these laws, the, the Mosaic laws, and expand them into infinity on what it means to fulfill it. Yeah. Can I do this? Can I do that? Is this right? Is that wrong? So I want they, they wanted to keep their boarding pass, and they wanted to um, legislate morality within oh, the community. Wow. Okay. You see, yeah. do this, don't do this. If you do this, you're not in. If you don't do this, you know you're kicked out. You know, all all that all that kind of language. Uh, and and of course, for them, family, tribe was everything. Right. Yes. Notice how many times, by the way, just side note, how many times that in the New Testament, when um, the father gets saved, uh, the, the the father's baptized, the whole household gets baptized. Yeah, the whole house is this. Right, it's family. Yep. We're all in this thing together. We're, we're, we're a unit that, that functions together. You now you maybe lose my train of thought. but So, yeah, they, they, were, they decided we're not going to mess up again. And so 
instead of looking at their faith and their righteousness as a way of expanding the love of God to the world, they just clamp down on greater salvation, morality, and, 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 and family status. It's just, it's, 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 for some reason, that's in, in so many of our minds religiously. Yeah. It's hard to kind of separate yourself from it. it. Well, you know, what else do I do? What else is there? Yeah. I always think about the uh, first, when you think about all those oral traditions, my, one of my favorite ones to read through was the, uh, if your oxen gets caught in a hole on a Sabbath, is it okay for you to go and get it out or should you wait for the next day? Right. That's one of my favorite ones to read. They're like, okay, right. they are getting serious oh, yeah. about that. So yeah. Preview for next week. I mean, are you going to continue adding layers on? Are you still in, in the series or what, what, what should we look forward to this Sunday? I want to, I want to this week, I said this last week and I still have it in mind. What are the practical applications to viewing the future and the power of the future and how can we, as, as a people of God, move forward with a view of the future in mind? There you go. Okay. When uh, Sarah and I, well, we're going through uh, some tough times after, after getting married, we came up with the vision board because our counselor told us, you know, hey, why don't you guys get a vision board together and get that going? That was always something that we, we do, and we still continue to do that. Um, we've probably gone through four or five different ones, but it's always fun that we keep them, of course, you know, because... That's what we do in America is we keep stuff like that. But we go through and look at those. I, I would say that, that was one thing that worked for, for us is a vision board to say, hey, this is what we want to do in five years. And we got, you know, we're, we're in a house, we're remodeling it and everything else. So that was on our vision board. So those are a practical way that helped us. That's the vision board. It's, it's looking to the future. Yeah. It's the power of the future, which then gives a pathway to what do I do today? Correct. What, what do I end up, how, how do I invest my life? I would say this, it's really important. And just uh, each individual listen to this. Think about this. Process it on your own. But for, every, for everyone to continue to grow and to become and to allow the future to, to, to pull us in the direction that God's calling us, I think, number one, we need a path. Right. You have to have a you got to know where you're going, yeah. what to do, how to do it, the reasons why. But to me, it's not enough. I also need someone. You might call them a coach, a, a mentor. I, I need somebody that is wiser than, than I am to invest in me and help me on this journey, on this path of life, going, going down the road toward the future. So, somebody who that I will humble myself and listen to and pay attention someone that can correct me yeah someone that can at times you know discipline me but love me encourage me say a boy i believe in you right you got to have a path you got to have someone who mentors you but we also have to have a community yeah. that is committed to the same thing correct it doesn't work if I say, okay, I got it. I see the future. Here I go. I'm, I'm limited. Yeah. Even if I say, okay, here I go, and I've got somebody that's coaching me. I need, we need others. We need like-minded people who say, I see the direction. I see the future. I see what could be. I see what the church can become today. There you go, yeah. Instead of being, you know, 
just completely isolated individuals who are trying their best to live out their faith here on earth. We need a community, and we need a community more than ever yes. today. We need a community. You know, you and I work for the Heartland Church of Christ here in Kansas City. We need a community yeah. of Heartland people who are willing to say, let's go. Let's go. We have this vision of what God wants on this earth, and yeah. we're going to do it. I love that. Yeah, we, we do. And you're right. We need community more now than ever. That's so true. Um, I, I know that when I take Ethan outside and he sees, uh, you know, like at the park, he's a group of people and he just looks at him like, what are those? <laughs> I haven't right. seen groups of people in over a year. Like, right. I know, buddy. I know. It's weird. Right. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how now when you watch television and you see a commercial, like I'm, I'm thinking about the AT&T commercial and two people are talking and they don't have masks on. Yes. Your first response is, oh, oh, hey now. Oh, hey, you better back up. <laughs> That's right. That is. It is. Things have changed. I have never thought about that, but you were so right. <laughs> yes. So next week, I'll be looking forward to that and then we'll have a great discussion on Tuesday I'm sure and don't forget to send in your questions if you have any kind of questions uh, for Danny or I about the, about his sermon or you just have a question about Danny's past or anything you want to know about <laughs> send it on into HCOC digital media at gmail.com and we'll do our best to, to get that answered and discussed uh, Danny thank you again for, for sitting down with me I really appreciate it great, good stuff I really appreciate well, you digging into this, this sermon series and I'm really, I'm really enjoying it so well, thank, thank you very you. much I, I enjoy this too and it, it, it's good for me to process and to think and, 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 and it helps me in preparing the sermon what am I going to talk what questions might people have yeah. about this there you go. what are the ramifications of, 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 of a particular belief so no I'm enjoying it and I just want to say thank you for all that are listening thank you Jeff for putting this together and let's have a great rest of the week it's fun I'm sorry. Have, everyone have a great week